Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, is Alexander Collins. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about advice, uh, specifically the advice that we hear, or maybe specific, more importantly, the advice that we take. Which one do we really want? And what I mean by that is, I think oftentimes we, the question that I have for everyone is, do you really want good advice? Or do you want advice that just sounds good? Well, and this is one of the the challenges that we hear folks talk about and ask us all the time because there is such a, a poor foundation for financial education in our country. People have a hard time discerning the difference between advice that sounds good and good sound advice. So it's... Yeah, it's really challenging. And so oftentimes people will default to what sounds correct to them, given whatever filter they have and the thing that allows them to do what they want to do. Right. Uh, we're going to dive right into to the topic today. Um, it, you know, this, this came to me the other day when I, I was in uh, a meeting with a client and the client kind of said, that's really good advice. It's interesting. I've heard some other other reasons we were talking uh, around savings and they had heard some other advice. And when we went through our definition of a good savings rate, they said, that's really good advice. It's interesting. The other advice that that's out there sounds good, but it really wasn't the best advice for me. Yeah. And that's a huge difference, right? That's what a good financial advisor or a good person that's helping you with your money is it's geared towards you and what you want. And not geared towards what you want to hear. Yes. Yeah. Great. Great addition there, Alex. So here, here's what we're talking about here. So I just brought up savings, Alex, right? So uh, in, in the meeting with the client, you know, they had heard it was 10%. Sure. Right. Save 10% of your income. And, you know, they had heard, put it into a retirement account and you know you're going to get x rate of return and you should be fine right that was the rule of thumb and when we started diving into that a little bit more and we went through some simple calculations essentially the rate of return that they were going to have to have was 8% or higher well and it, it it's one of those things where like once you start understanding like how this stuff works the goal is to go ahead and try and like capture as much rate of return as you possibly can. And you, me, clients, other advisors, none of us control rate of return. We can control the magnitude of the rate of return with how aggressive or conservative we are, but we don't control rate of return. And so one of the things that we try and do is create flexibility in the plan so that it is not dependent upon getting a specific rate of return. The and that's more the that key we right can, there. The Nailed more it. that we can eliminate that dependence upon things that are out of our control, the better off we are. And so while a 10% rate of return or 10% savings rate may work, we don't control whether it will work or not. 
Yeah. And just so you're aware, like Alex and I recommend 20%. And it, it, someone that's closer to retirement, they may not need 20%. This goes into the personal planning side of stuff. But if you are- Or they may be playing catch up and need way more than 20%. Yeah. There's a bunch of uh, caveats to that statement. But the, <laughs> the point that we're getting at here is talking about rate of return is fun. It's sexy. It's what the media talks about all the time. And when, and when you only focus on that, you're you're giving up control on whether or not that plan works out. And right, so that the and when you only have to save ten percent versus twenty percent, now you're like, oh, well, then the human mind like really kicks into gear, and you're like, oh, okay, that's more money I can spend and do frivolous things with, or you know, maybe not frivolous things. But the fact of the matter is, is the expenses now go up because of that. And now you're reliant upon the rate of return to either make or break you. Well, it's also a double-edged sword, right? So like if you're saving 20%, you're only living on 80%. And so when you go to replace it, you only need to replace 80%. If you're saving 10% and living on 90%, now you need to replace 90%. And so not only do you save 10% less, but you're also spending 10% more which means that the number that you have to create to get there becomes that much more of a, a hill to climb. Yeah. I and mean, then we talked about lifestyle creep in, in a previous episode where that's kind of what we're talking into here. You know, another piece that, that I mean, even you and I don't even like this aspect of, of planning because it's not a fun topic, right? And it's, it's around protection, right? I think most people, even you and I, if we could spend less money on different insurance products or legal documents, we would love to do so. Sure. And I think when people look at, okay, you know, I, I want life insurance, but I just want the bare minimum that, that I need. And when you, and when you take a look at from that perspective only, and you hear some rule of thumb out there, right? Like I saw the other day, someone said, you only need seven times your income. That's the rule of thumb, seven times your income. And for those of you who've been listening to us for a while now, you've heard us talk into when it comes to protecting your income, which is what life insurance is, how much of your income does your family need if you were to prematurely pass away and for how many years? So imagine like going back to the seven times your income, if you're 35 years old, right? And let's just say you've got $250,000 of retirement, right? uh, Assets. You pass away prematurely, the income that you're bringing to the door stops coming in the door. So in that example, for the most part, the seven times rule that they brought up was like, okay, so your family just needs seven more years of your income and they're going to be fine. Yeah. Well, right? I mean, it, it's a plan that winds up becoming incredibly dependent upon rate of return at a time when like you, you've, you've just elongated the amount of time that you need that money to last. And so things like the 4% rule may or may not apply. You're going to go through much more in the way of ups and downs in terms of market cycles, uh, all at a time when you're actually already taking income and you need that income to last for a much longer time period. The One of the most, if not the most challenging thing to do in finance is to take a consistent income from a variable asset. And when we add more time, that makes it significantly more complex 
um, yep. especially when we're trying to do it at younger and younger ages, because then some of the tools in our toolbox get taken away or are at least significantly less effective. Yeah. So this person, like some people may have taken that advice, right? Because the advice sounds good from the standpoint of, okay, I don't need a large life ins- larger life insurance policy. I don't need to spend more money on that insurance product, which means now I get to go spend the money or do whatever else I wanted to do with that money. And I don't, right. And maybe it's even less time thinking about it at the same time, because let's just face it. No one really likes to talk about life insurance, right? But is that really good advice, right? It sounds good. Is that good advice? Is it, do you really want good advice or do you just want what sounds, what sounds good in the moment? Well, and like one of the, one of the ways to check a bunch of this stuff is whether it's tailored to you and your situation or whether mm-hmm. it's a rule of thumb. So I don't know about you, Ryan, but not too many of my clients are the mythical average that have, you know, a dog, a cat, two and a half kids and a white picket fence. Like average works for spreadsheet stuff. It doesn't work for individuals because everyone's situation is unique and different. So sit down and have a professional map it out for you and make sure that like you understand why they're going to do what they're going to do and how they're going to go about um, creating the lifestyle that you want to live. If heaven forbid tragedy strikes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, most of yours and my clients, right. They they tend to be families. Right. And so oftentimes when we're talking into any kind of planning work, it's like, okay, well, what is it you value? Tell me about your vacations, right? Like where, what does that mean to you? Now it's, now we can gear the protection conversation, the savings conversation, right? Like the financial decisions around what it is they want when it comes to their family from a protection standpoint, from a, where they want to go with their family and the memories that they create. That's a much different conversation and it's good advice geared towards what they want. Yeah. Right. And the same thing is true in, in retirement accounts or investing, right? Like, you know, we've already brought up the media, you know, their job is to entertain you. Right. So they will create, you know, FOMO, right. You know, this stock has taken off, right. Or get out of the market because it's going to be a recession. We've been hearing that for how long now at this point. Right. So that aspect is also geared towards this. Is that good advice? That sounds good in the moment because we've, we heard that X company had layoff. How does that affect you? What's you, what your goals? What is it you want? And that's how you should be looking at this. Well, and like the other thing that we want to do is when we, when we do planning, we want it to be systematic and repeatable. Like we're looking for value, not just price. Um, and like one of the things that we have to take a look at is, okay, what is the motivation for whomever is providing this advice? So if it is media, nine times out of 10, they're just looking for eyeballs. And so the, the thing that they can say that will attract the most eyeballs is what the advice is that's given good, bad, or indifferent. Um, if you're like a lot of uh, depending upon the compensation structure, a lot of uh, financial firms, the more trading that occurs, mm-hmm. the better it is for the financial firm. Um, and so it's understand what the cost structures are and where the motivations come from 
when you're taking advice because it's critical to understand what are they truly trying to accomplish and is it in my best interest? If you're working with a fiduciary, they're, they are legally required to be, to act in your best interest. That is something that is critical. Um, you know, in my opinion is to, to make sure that you're working with people that are, that have your best interest at heart and are required to do so. Yeah. I mean, Alex, in the end, everything comes down to, to what we value and which we can, we can see with the advice that we're taking in the cat and the decisions we're making inside of our cash flow, Right. And by cash flow, I mean like what decision, the money that comes in the door, what are we doing with it? Right. So kind of leading us to the question of the day here, Alex, if you're okay with me taking this one. Absolutely. The question of the day. So we started this episode talking about, do you really want good advice or do you want advice that sounds good? So my question to you is what advice have you taken after listening to this episode that maybe sounded good, but that in second thought didn't really pertain to what you wanted and your goals? This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License number 153-19412. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924 Alexander Collins AR Insurance License Number 7264699 CA Insurance License Number 0H24806 Pinpoint Number 2023-157691 Expiration June 2025